0: February 2013. Australian grandmother Yetta Jacobs, 67, flies to South Africa to meet with her 28 year old boyfriend she intends on marrying. But Yetta wouldn't receive her happy ending. Instead, almost a decade on, her family would still be fighting for answers as to how Yetta ended up dead in a foreign country. sources for this episode include 60 Minutes, WA Today, Perth Now, The Daily Telegraph, The Daily Mail, The ABC, and The Herald Sun. Hey guys, Future Felicity here a year in advance. In this episode at the start, I talk about having what I thought was bad allergies. It turns out it was actually um, hyperthyroidism and severe Graves' disease and the associated bulging eye condition. So if you have any of those symptoms um, that seem like your eyes look a bit deformed and things like that, it's just a PSA to actually go and get checked. Because about a year ago on this podcast, when I recorded this episode, I was complaining a lot about it. And it turned out it was something a lot more serious than I thought it was. Thanks. Hi, guys. Welcome back to episode 69 of Unknown Passage a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or have been murdered abroad. So just from the outset, I have really bad allergies. I've never been allergic to anything in my life. Nothing, dietary or environmental or anything like that. But for almost the last year on and off, I've had like the most swollen eyelids, like out of control. Like it's, it's kind of almost deformed looking when it's really, really bad. I've tried like everything Telfast. I've got really bad sinuses. I don't know if I'm suddenly allergic to my cats. I hope not because I just have to cop it if that was the case. Um, so if anyone's got any ideas, I've literally tried everything sinus wash, Telfast, um, yeah, so let me know. So, I have two new patrons this week, Kerry and Chastity. Chastity with a D Y at the end, not a T Y, which is really cool. So, welcome and thank you so much. It really surprised me that I got two this week. I guess you don't need social media to get people to follow you. I'm not getting Instagram or anything back at the moment it's been so nice I just want to continue it and you know have just have the patron patreon as I've said a million times before I do social media for a living so it gets a bit much when you literally have like three you handle like for yourself and then other clients and then so on so I broke my own I won't do a continent twice in a row rule recently. So somewhere between the Denise Picker theme case in Spain and Kim Wall and Kazuko Toinaga in Denmark, I somehow forgot that Denmark and Spain were the same continent. So I'm really sorry about that. I was really mad at myself because I've never done that. And I try to skip continents um, and not do the same one twice in a row. Now, I also said at the end of last week's episode that I would do a fugitive next, but at the moment I decided against it for this week. Um, I guess this kind of counts as a fugitive, but not really, um, because I've got minimal fugitives, international fugitives on my list to do. So I'm just trying to to eke them out. Now, so I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the news or anything, but something like international travel related is the military coup in Burma which is now Myanmar but people still call it Burma Um, it's both work I suppose Um, there's been a military coup basically against I don't know how to say her name she's the president is it of Um, Myanmar and it looks like really violent and I was just looking at the news today and the number of protesters out protesting because she's currently under house arrest the leader of um, Myanmar they've basically been spraying them with like chemicals in water it's really brutal Um, and I don't know if you guys have been paying attention but when I was in Thailand, I knew a lot of people who had just started going to Myanmar. I met one girl that actually lived in Yangon, which is the capital. And I was always told like not to go there, but more and more tourists have been um, because it is quite dangerous and constantly very on edge. Um, and I, I just really feel for them. And you know, as most of the comments said on the article I was reading. It, The United Nations just don't care about these things unless, you know, there's oil or money involved. And because Yangon and Myanmar don't sit on an oil reserve, they really just sit back and watch these things happen and violence against, you know, the people. So just keep the people of Burma slash Myanmar um, in your thoughts. So next week is Valentine's Day, or in a few days, um, and it's episode 69, I wrote. So why not cover a love scam? Now, We have been to South Africa, like on this episode, we are going there before um, for the Marie Ostbo case. I think she was episode 23. I can't remember. She was a student from Norway um, on a school trip with her university who disappeared in what is a relatively safe area, kind of on the garden route towards Cape Town. If you're looking for updates on that case, I can't give you any because there aren't any. There has been no follow up since I did that case. And that fucking sucks because in any other country you know a blonde um cute girl would be getting the attention but South Africa is a whole other beast so we did that last in the episode 23 or whatever um so if you haven't listened to that already be sure to go back and listen to that because on that episode I did a huge deep dive into the country of South Africa and why it is so notorious for being pretty much the most dangerous place next to Afghanistan in the world Now, I've had Yetta's case on my list for quite a while. I remember when 60 Minutes Australia covered this quite a number of years ago, and I don't want to get your hopes up. So I want to say from the outset that pretty much since 2014, the year after this happened, there has not been one news article or follow up or anything. And I will get into why that probably is. So I'll probably tell you from the outset that you won't really get a nice little wrapped up bow at the end of this because... I honestly don't know where it stands and I honestly don't think that even Yetta's family would know where it stands. So unfortunately I couldn't get the whole 60 minutes clip. It seems to be gone from their website so I was able to get a 10 minute snippet of it um, but I may talk about that in this episode. So let's get into the case of Yetta Jacobs. So at the time of her murder in 2013, Australian Yetta Jacobs was a lonely 67-year-old widow. Now, the name Yetta you may see in the show notes, is spelt J-E-T-T-E, but you actually pronounce it Yetta. So I think it's a Dutch name because there's quite a lot of Dutch people online called Yetta Jacobs. Now... Yetta came from a town in Western Australia, which is the pretty much further state from where I'm located in the state of Victoria. So it's pretty much from me where I am um, in Melbourne. It's like New York to LA, me being New York, Western Australia or Perth, the capital being LA. So she came from a town which is about 150 miles southeast of Perth. It's quite kind of isolated. It's called Wagen. It's spelt W-A-G-I-N. I I had to even look that up because I'd never heard of it before. It's a it's basically like a sheep farming town. Um, It's got a pretty small population, just under 2000. Now, it's a couple of hours drive to the capital city of Perth, which is the capital of Western Australia. Now, that sits on the Indian Ocean. It's Perth is very much still like a big country town. Most people that I know who have been there. Um, either love it or they hate it, um, mo- like most of Western Australia. And then up north in Western Australia, you've got kind of the mining areas and oyster kind of shucking and things like that. Can you tell that I'm not from Western Australia? I'm from like the furthest away. So she had six children and 14 grandchildren, but obviously her children are all grown up and having families of their own. So Yeta was about what my mum's age is now. Now, the most vocal one that I'll probably quote the most was her son, Ollie, who initially asked to remain unnamed. I think it was when they didn't know who or didn't hadn't found the culprit yet of this case. But later on, it says Ollie. So I presume that later on, he allowed them to call him by his first name. So Ollie is actually the name of Kim Wall's boyfriend, which is another little moment of synchronicity when I was researching both of these. Now... Her son Ollie said that when the kids were growing up they had traveled a lot with Yetta and their dad um, and they had lived in Malaysia so Yetta wasn't you know a newcomer when it came to travel Yetta's husband which I presume is the father of her six children he had passed away in 2002 and then after that Yetta was able to put herself back out there again and she met a subsequent partner who she was with for a few years after that, and then he died in two thousand and nine, so there's just so much tragedy in Yetta's life when she really should be just enjoying, you know, her twilight years. Now she had a pretty good friend called John. I don't know how she knew him, probably through some volunteer work and her hobby. So I will be referring to him throughout the episode, but keep in mind that um he's not her husband. He's just a friend of hers. According to Perth now, yetta you know, as a 67 year old widower. She liked 10 pin bowling. Same. Um, And she loved her pet chickens, which, yes, my mum used to have pet chickens and she had about seven. She had to give them away because they there was just too many eggs they were producing. And she was literally giving eggs, putting them on people's doorsteps and things like that. I think it was 50 eggs a week. Um, But initially the novelty was there. Yetta used to volunteer at Meals on Wheels, which is a volunteer meal delivery service, generally for older or more disabled people. And she also worked a little bit at a nursing home reception, I believe. But as with a lot of people, it doesn't matter what age you are, she started to live a lot of her life online. Now, Yetta was lonely. Her husband had died in 2002, and then her partner had died in 2009. And she really wanted to meet someone, as I'm kind of familiar with this because my mother is single and she talks about this a lot, <laughs> except she's, I think she's a bit more of a problem than Yetta. Um, she wanted to find love, and you know, when you're older and not like me, like at my age, but as you're getting older, you kind of want someone to there, be there as companionship, and that's what Yetta wanted. Now, I wanna say, because it is important, that Yetta was not strapped for cash. She had around what most sources say is 90,000 U.S. dollars, which I think at the time was around 150,000 Australian dollars. So that could have come from, you know, her husband's superannuation. That's something that we have in Australia that your job puts into. It could have come from anywhere. So that's just what I wanted to put out there. So as many people do of all ages, she wanted a connection and she joined some online dating forums. Now, I don't know which ones they were. This was around the time that Tinder came out um, and the online kind of swiping ones, but I'm presuming she was more, you know, on maybe match.com, plenty of fish, or maybe she was just joining like, you know, chat, you know, remember when ICQ was out and AOL and all that. So Yeda started talking to a number of people, and I will be open because she was open about this. A number of them were young men in different parts of Africa. One guy was from Ghana, I believe, which we've gone to in a previous episode, and the main what culprit in this whole case is a Nigerian. Now, before long she met a guy online called Orowo Jesse Amoka. Now, she had been talking to this guy called Isaac, who was from Ghana, and she basically met him, Jesse, through Isaac. Um, this was when she started talking to him not long after her partner died because most sources say that she was talking to him for around three or four years. Before long, sparks flew over the internet and Yetta wanted to meet him. Now, Arowo, I'm going to call him Jesse because most sources refer to him as that. He was a Nigerian. He was living on and off in South Africa. I want to say just quickly that a lot of these A lot of the sources contradict each other and so I'm just going to tell you when they do. So he was living on and off in South Africa and I just want to say that obviously most people associate Nigerians with scams and that's not racist to say because they are literally the world leader by a mile in terms of online scams, love scams, um, email scams. Everybody has got an email from someone claiming to be a Nigerian prince wanting a pretty lady unless they email me. Now they talked for around three to four years online and some sources say that Yetta visited twice during the time that she was talking to Jesse online. He sweet talked her, you know, he told her how wonderful she was. I've got a few emails that I'll read to you, but I just want to say that before she met Jesse online, she had gone according to her son in one Perth Now article four times there. So she had met other people, including this Isaac, who was from Ghana, who was also living um, in South Africa. Now I'm just going to read you a few of the texts and things that she wrote to give you an idea of this kind of guy and what how it just meant nothing to him and how clearly the relationship meant a lot more to Yara. So he wrote a lot of kind of things on Facebook um, and we'll get into whether it was him or someone else at the end but in 2012, early 2012, so the year before she moved there, um, he wrote a post that says, like all, love some and trust none. Now, Yetta is the first person to write a comment to this. And she wrote, why do you say that, Jessie? And he wrote, because of some fake friends. And she wrote, oh, I see. And it's just, she's such a sweet, you know, woman, how she's <laughs> asking him why he he's upset or whatever. He wrote another post online um, that he wrote, all relationships go through hell, but real relationships get through it. And Yetta posted as a reply to that on Facebook, yes, but love will survive in the long run. Made me want to cry because she's such an optimist, even at that age. And I know I saw an article that the headline of it was basically, how dumb are people who fall for this? And yeah, you can say that, but not everyone is... Um, a hard ass like me, um, who kind of questions everyone's motives. Some people are optimists and, you know, we do need those people in society. Um, he wrote another thing in the October of 2012, happier men that marries the girl he loves and happier a man that loves the girl he married. Um, yeah. So, and Yeda had changed her own Facebook profile status to in a relationship in the March of 2012, Um, He wrote another post. If you can't inspire a woman with the love of you, then fill her to the brim with the love of herself and all that runs over will be yours. And I'm not being a pessimist when I say this, but it all just sounds like crap. It's all just things that he probably had a million people on the go at the same time. And he's hoping that that kind of works for someone else. See, if someone has written that to me, I'd be like, okay, but yeah, I, I'm not yet. And Maybe Yetta was a better person than me, because she's an optimist, you know, and I'm not. Now, according to the Herald's son, um, quote, she thought she was helping a young man who needed money to raise his children and other malnourished children in Africa, unquote. So Jessie Yetta started sending Jesse money, even though she was telling her family and friends that she wasn't. This is these love scams generally escalate to this pretty quickly, and you can read quite a lot about them. I'll get into them a bit in a later, but um basically like they hook you in with certain things. And usually they involve people being sick or children being sick. Cause that is usually the hook that, you know, has people, everyone, you know, cares about children unless you're a psychopath. So, but he was telling her that he had children that he had to raise and that he had no money. And he was also setting up a charity to feed the starving children of Africa. And obviously when you're yet like me and you're in kind of a lucky country, like Australia, where I was reading the other day that our government's given us more money, you know, during this whole lockdown than any other country by a mile. Yes. But we also have less rights in other countries, but <laughs> that's not the point, but she could be sitting there with her, you know, Her life savings, and thinking, I really want to help these people, and it's people like Jesse that really hook in to the people who are vulnerable. Now he was 28 years old, about 40 years younger than Yeda. He had actually been to university. He went to the University of Ibadan in the southwest of Nigeria, and his link with south africa is kind of precarious i think he'd gone there on and off but at one point i read that yetta actually wanted to live in nigeria which really surprised me now as i said before long yetta started sending jesse money and ultimately this would be all of her money which i'll get into later her family and friends were obviously really unhappy about this and they pleaded with her not to go and visit jesse and not to send him money she had met him before, obviously, when she went to see Isaac and it had gone off without a hitch. Nothing weird happened. I think they were probably setting her up at that point. Um, but instead, like a lot of people, when people don't agree with life choices they're making, and I'm guilty of this, instead of listening to them, Yetta ultimately cut off contact with most of her family and friends. And I've, I've been that person and I think we've all been that person. We've all loved somebody or had feelings for someone that my mother didn't like and uh, my mother was always right and i've got so angry at her and angry at people who and they were usually right her friend from from western australia said quote she was always maintaining she never sent him money we were always saying don't send money and he Omoka, was saying to her it was going to a charity of course it was his charity I tried to get through to her but she wouldn't talk to anyone she wouldn't seek advice from other people and the more people said the more dogmatic she got and dug her heels in unquote which I understand because I am like that her other friend um, whose name is mr. Peniza he said quote she closed down with all of us we all told her not to go now according to some sources most some sources say she only went the first time in 2010 Another source I had, I think it was w a today said she went in twenty ten and twenty eleven um so two years in a row, and then she was going to go the following year um in twenty twelve she me- went there to meet Isaac and Jesse um and some other men she was talking to. John said it was two chaps, that's what he said, so assuming it was Isaac and Jesse, but I don't think Isaac is a bad dude, but he's probably involved in all this shit, who knows. There were no other issues on those trips, and she returned home, planning the next trip there. But again, we don't know because she was closing down with people, so we don't really know if anything happened. But we knew we do know that they were hitting her up for money. John said, quote, "From what I understand, it the relationship with Isaac was pure friendship." Unquote. But according to most sources, with Jesse, at least from Yetta's point of view, with Jesse Arowo, Arowo um, Jesse Amoka, sorry. It was love, at least for Yetta. I don't really know how to describe Jesse. I'll put up the pictures in Patreon, but for someone who's giving money to charity and has no money to feed his own children, he's got a pretty nice gold chain around his neck. He looks like a kind of poor man's PDD, or at least he's trying to be. Um, Yeah. So. Yetta's final ill-fated trip to South Africa was in the end of 2012 um, some sources say she went really early in 2012 but most say that it was November 2012 this trip at least to Yeda was to marry Jesse and for them to initially live in South Africa but one source I found said Yeda ultimately wanted to live in Nigeria where Jesse was from now, Jesse used this opportunity when Yedda was flying over at the end of 2012 to acquire more money from her. This time he ne- he said that he needed a visa and flights down to get to Yedda from Nigeria to, to South Africa to Johannesburg, where Yedda would ultimately rent a place and wait for Jesse to come over. So she sent him $20,000. Now this was supposedly for the visa that he would need to live in South Africa because obviously he's not from there and visas still apply in Africa, even though we think of it as the Wild West, at least I do, Um, and flights. Now I used to work in a travel agency years ago when they were kind of more relevant and I used to send away visas for processing and things like that. Now... Most visas require a certain amount in your bank account um, to prove that you're able to live okay and not you know be out on the street before you find a job now when i moved to the uk i think it was three and a half thousand dollars you need to have in your bank account um i think i had way more it's when you apply for the visa that you have to show your bank statements to prove that and that's for most now i have never ever heard of needing around twenty thousand dollars in your bank account which would be for the visa the actual visa processing fee is usually only a few hundred dollars and if you consider that a a one-way flight down to south africa Um, return if I guess if you're Jesse with his motives if you consider that would only be you know maybe a thousand dollars then what's the rest of it now the rest of it he said was part of this charity that he had set up to help the starving children of Africa now one of the saddest things about this is I don't know who uh, who reported this what they believe to be Jesse scamming Yedda, um to the police in Western Australia which is the you know um, state police someone had contacted them now if you usually if you go on your local law enforcement website it usually has a page detailing about different scams and how you can report them so I don't know who had it must have been someone close to her but they had reported Jesse believing that he was a scammer to kind of save Yetta some money and some more heartbreak now Western Australia police had contacted Yedda Um, with a letter that they had sent to her, advising her that they believed that Jessie was scamming her and that she was the victim of a scam. But as fate would have it, Yetta had already left when that letter arrived. Now, this is where it gets a bit confusing. And I've read so many news articles for this, and I'm going to try to put it forward the most clear way I possibly can, because some sources say that Jesse was doing one thing and then he was doing another thing, but I think I've kind of got it down. So Yedda, according to most sources, flew to South Africa for the final time in November of 2012. One source said it was about July, but I think it was November. Now, Jesse had got his visa, supposedly, according to him when he was coming down and his flights. And Yetta was sitting around pretty much until February from November. She got a rental in Johannesburg, an apartment, and she basically was, you know, setting up home for when Jesse, this guy that she loved, would come down from Nigeria. Now, time went by and it was November, December, January. And finally, in early February, um, Jesse came down. This would be just five days before Yetta would be found dead in her rented apartment. So he came down, and according to a lot of Yetta's friends, their communications seemingly, which I'll get into with her, had changed, and they seen they kind of thought that Yetta may have been realising what this was. After Jessie came down, Yetta suddenly went quiet. She was pretty vocal on Facebook and social media and emails and keeping in touch back home, and suddenly she wasn't anymore. Her son, Ollie, told the Daily Telegraph, quote, Mum went over for a couple of months and did not return, unquote. Now, her friend, John, suddenly realized that he wasn't able to reach her, so he went back through his email communications with Yeda on social media and went back over her messages. He told WA Today, quote, I looked at some of the earlier messages and the later ones that came through. She was unhappy. Put it that way. Straight away, we knew it was a scam, unquote. So John's basically saying he realizes... He thinks that Yetta had realised that she was being scammed. Now, February ninth, 2013, which is... What's the date today? Hang on. I don't even know what the date is today. <laughs> oh, my God, it's the 9th. Yes. So, exactly eight years ago today, Yetta was found dead in her rented apartment in Johannesburg. Jessie was nowhere to be found. Now... According to most sources that I could put together, Jesse had apparently found her dead and had called it in and then he disappeared. So he called in, said that this woman was dead and then he disappeared. That's what I kind of had to put together because a lot of them said that he just was nowhere to be found. So I've kind of put it together that way now. It was just five days before Valentine's Day and as I said, exactly eight years today. Now, police initially believed it was a suicide and it was an administered dose of medication. Now, they've never said what medication it was. And I'm not entirely sure, you know, what I couldn't even estimate what it could be because you can't really overdose on antidepressants and things like that or even Valium. Um, Now they very quickly kind of realised that they think that there may have been foul play involved Um, now her son said quote I spoke to the detectives the theories that she was probably fed the tablets there was an awful lot of tablets missing but as you would probably expect when they went through Yedda's apartment in Johannesburg they realised that her money her credit cards, her jewellery and her laptop computer were missing and of the 90,000 dollars life savings um do you know how much yeta had left in her bank account five dollars so soon enough they put all this together and they decided that her supposed fiance jesse was a person of interest but he had returned to nigeria unbelievably now according to the west quote mr Amoka was the last person to see her alive and told police he discovered her body unquote Now, there was empty pill packets around Yetta's body, so I have to presume that it's either antidepressants, Valium, things that pop out of the foil things, or even ibuprofen, paracetamol, I don't know, Um, but it would have to be something that you'd be able to overdose on, and really none of those things I just said you can. So these empty pill packets were found nearby, so that's why they initially thought it was a suicide, but because of his behaviour they quickly thought otherwise now they her son Ollie said that there was no evidence to suggest that she was suicidal or that she'd plan to take her own life, um, but Jesse omoka said indeed she was suicidal, and she had sent him a text saying that she will take all the pills and just die off um because she was so hurt that he was mad at her so. A lot of people presume that what happened was he came down from Nigeria. He said he couldn't get a visa, but he was visiting there on a tourist one. He couldn't get a long-term one, and then he left. Um, that's his story anyway. Now, Jesse decided to try to divert the suspicion onto Isaac, his friend who Yeda had met him from, which was a man from Ghana. And Yetta was quite good friends with him. So he tried to put the suspicion onto Isaac, which... To me is the evidence that I think he's guilty of something, because if if you thought that she killed herself, why would you be trying to divert suspicion onto someone? Um, he claimed that Isaac had tried to also get money from Miss Jacobs and had seen her in Johannesburg in the days before her death. Her daughter travelled to South Africa to have her body returned. Now, Jesse continued to post on his Facebook from Nigeria, I guess, while police from Australia and South Africa looked on, unable to do anything. He wrote in a post online about Yetta's death um, that he was trying to distance himself um, from the scam and from blame for his death, for her death, sorry. He wrote, quote, I am so shocked and confused about this whole story of me murdering Yetta and even taking her money, unquote. I never scammed Yetta and had no intentions of doing that. Now, we know her money was missing. and We know Jesse was there. So this is the only thing that could have happened. On January 28th, 2014, very close to exactly a year after Yeda was murdered and her body was discovered in Johannesburg, the Nigerian Economic and Financial Crimes Commission announced that they had arrested Jessie Amoka in Ibadan, which is in Nigeria. Um, now... They did this because basically a request was made by the Western Australia police major fraud squad who had been looking into this, obviously because Yedda was found dead overseas and she was an Australian citizen. Also, the Australian federal police were involved. Now, they had done their own kind of investigation um, and they had discovered that Jesse Amoka was scamming around 30 other people in Australia, the United Kingdom, Canada and the United States, and he had 32 online identities. Detective Senior Sergeant Blackshaw of the Western Australia Police said, quote, it appears that Mr. Amoka is part of an organised criminal network operating internationally, unquote. Now, the, just six weeks before this had happened, the Western Australian Police and Nigerian Police had signed a memorandum of understanding which would lead to better collaboration in regards to investigating scams because we know that there hasn't been a lot done before that, in the past for many years in terms of trying to look into who these scammers are. So once that was signed, it was very much sped up. Yet as friend John told WA Today, quote, She believed she was going over there to get married. She waited six months in South Africa. He told her he couldn't get a visa. Then the very next week she turns up, she died. The very next week he turns up, she dies. I suspect towards the end, he came down the week before, I imagine there were words, and she was going to spill the beans on him or go to the law, Now, her friend Richard Paniza said, quote, she wanted friendship, and when she wasn't getting what she needed, she went on the internet. You can't control what's in the internet that needs controlling. You don't know who they are. They don't even use their own photos. They are very good predators. I was very, very surprised, unquote. Now, in May 2014, not long after they had arrested Jesse Amoka, Ollie Jacobs, Yeter's son, visited the Johannesburg apartment that Yedda had been found dead in. He visited there um, with a 60 Minutes crew. So they then went up to Nigeria with 60 Minutes and they basically went around with this... Scam This police group that deals with scammers who they basically just kick in doors and arrest them. And I'm talking like really nice houses, really nice cars. And then they kick in the door and there's like 50 people living inside. They've got all a million laptops, a million phones, a million computers. This is, this is like a big deal or criminal organization. Um, Ollie said, quote, it was tough. It did have a big effect seeing where Mum died. I can't believe she went there. Hopefully it will give me some closure unquote. Now, Um, the 60 Minutes journalist quote unquote she's not anymore she shouldn't be anyway Alison Langdon who back then was a decent journalist she referred to um, Jesse Amokar as quote a meek mild sad character unquote um, who insisted quote he had gone to South Africa to meet his girlfriend unquote so in it they actually bring Jesse in Alison's not allowed to say anything because she could mess up their court case against him. So she's there while they're interviewing Jesse and Mocha. And basically the cop says to him, why did you go there? And you don't even believe him when he says that. He says, I was going to see my girlfriend. And it's like, nah, man, you don't even believe what you're saying. You're just like full of shit, man. His girlfriend, she was 67 and he was 28 years old. I don't want to be harsh. And, you know, yet is gone and it's horrible, but... I think most people, younger people who have been on in the internet longer understand, and I know this is going to sound harsh, a 28-year-old is never, ever going to be interested in a 67-year-old. Um, I'm talking like 28-year-old man, 67-year-old woman. I'm sorry, it sounds really harsh, but they just never will be. Um, and it generally goes the other way with younger women and older men. Um you generally just have to look at what the person's net worth is to understand what the attraction is. That's why I will never understand that Catherine, Catherine McPhee, who's married to that David Foster and they're having a baby and he's 71. Um, ridiculous. So yeah, this group is called the EFCC that goes around kicking in doors of scammers and arresting them all. Um, now, this group, who's expert in this, said that they don't believe that the, even half the time that Yetta was talking to Jesse she was even talking to him she could have been talking to anyone from these criminal organizations, and that's what I think about these posts that he was posting. they're all orchestrated, they're all you know designed to suck women in, especially older women who have kind of a more of more maternal nature so i'm going to wrap up yet a story before I get into a little bit about romance and love scams, to say that since they arrested Jesse and sixty minutes went over there, there has not been one news article, or one movement on this case at all, which is. Ridiculous. Even 60 Minutes hasn't followed up on it because generally they just like the story at the time to fill, you know, a 60 minute time slot, and then re- really never going to, you know, follow up with it ever again. So there is no news on the case. And I think the reason for this is not only would they need to extradite Jesse to South Africa, which is a long process generally, and you get appeals and things like that, but also on the 60 Minutes episode, they were saying that South Africa has a four year backlog on DNA dna in relation to crimes rapes sexual assaults murders things like that so it takes up to four years at the minimum to get dna back so they were basically going to check yetta for dna and then test that dna but there's such a backlog that they were basically saying at the end of that segment that you may never have answers in a case because of this backlog because there is so much crime in south africa it's insane So let's talk a little bit about scams, what a love scam is and a romance scam, um, because they are becoming so prevalent along with phone scams, internet scams, email scams. um, But the thing they all have in common at the end is money. Now in 2020, (laughs) Interpol arrested more than 20,000 people across the world in this massive year long global crackdown on phone and internet scams. (laughs) That's huge. These 20,000 people were located over 35 countries in the world. Now, according to the FBI, just to find you a definition that's kind of succinct about what a romance scam is, quote, romance scams occur when a criminal adopts a fake online identity to gain a victim's affection and trust. The scammer then uses the illusion of a romantic or close relationship to manipulate and or steal from the victim, unquote. Now, I looked up the countries with the highest rates of scammers being from there, and the results did not surprise me. Nigeria was far and away number one. Then the Philippines, India, Romania, South Africa, Venezuela, Pakistan, Indonesia, China, and Brazil. Now, the Romania one did not surprise me because I think... Anybody who has traveled around Europe knows how many Romanian you know gypsies are out there pulling scams on people. It's out of control. I'd only ever heard about them, and then when I was living in the u k my dad came to visit. We were in London, and we were just walking down the street in um Bayswater in central london and this woman walks past and she d- picks up this gold ring off the ground and she goes to my dad, "Is this yours? Is this yours?" And I said, Dad, just keep walking. And he was going to talk to her. And I said, Dad, it's a scam. I've been told about the scam a million times. I've just never seen it in action. Anyway, we kept walking. And it's basically very similar to ones that they do in Italy with roses. You see them doing it um, on the Spanish Steps, at the Colosseum, at all these touristy areas. They give you something. And then they start crying foul when you take it. They start screaming at you. There's one in different parts of Europe, Paris, Rome, where they come up and they, they act like they're kind of selling little touristy things and they put like a bracelet on your wrist and then you, you don't even know that they've done it. They just do it so quickly and then they start screaming for police saying that you've stolen it and things like that. So, you know, that's why it just didn't surprise me where, you know, these scammers were from and especially Romania. Now the countries that are most targeted um, are at 37.4% the United States. Australia is second, then the United States. Sorry, then the United Kingdom, then New Zealand, then Canada. So pretty much like quite kind of well off Western world countries. Now these scammers move really fast, much like Jesse and Monka. They're really intense, um, very much like a narcissist. If any of you know, I know that term gets thrown around a lot, and I, when I see people calling it, it's like I'm like I don't think you understand what a narcissist is. That term's thrown around so much. They, they, like, love bomb you in relationships. They, like, give you so many compliments. They tell you how amazing you are initially. Um, and that's how they kind of rope you in. And that's how these scammers work as well. Um, they find ways to avoid meeting you in person generally, which the FBI goes into. Um, they generally say there's been an illness or they're sick or something like that. So they never have to meet you. It's much like catfishing. According to WA Today... Each month, more than $1.5 million million is funneled out of Western Australia into Nigerian scams. Now, Australia has, I don't know, seven states. I just saw a a newsreader say uh, Australia has six or seven states. And I was like, yeah, I don't actually know because we have territories and... um, We have two territories as well, but that is just the state that Yedda was from, which is not the most populated state by a long mile in Australia. 1.5 million um, each month goes into Nigeria from there. Australian police estimate that around $2 million leaves Australia every week bound for scammers' bank accounts. In fact, despite the fact that romance scams have been around for years – 2019 romance scam statistics show that Americans, because this happens mostly in America, they're scamming people there. They reported losses in 2019 of over $201 million to romance scams. So there's a lot of people who are falling for this. There was 25,000 reports filed um, just in one month in terms of romance scams in 2019. Now, this is such an issue in WA, Western Australia, which I really surprised me because you'd think that they'd be targeting more New South Wales where Sydney's the capital of or Victoria which Melbourne's the capital of but this is such an issue that WA police in 2012 launched Project Sunbird Sunbird sorry which investigates basically the transfer of Western Australia funds to West Africa and what they're for so you can you can kind of <clears throat> if you're transferring money there in a legitimate reason, then you're probably going to be questioned for it. So major fraud squad detective Don Blackshaw, who I quoted earlier, warned that, quote, to travel to Africa to visit someone you have met on the internet is extremely dangerous and could, as in the case of Miss Jacobs, cost your life, unquote. Her son, Ollie, said, you know, it's a final word of caution to people who are, people believe are being scammed or or to people who believe that they're in love with someone from Africa that they met online, quote, don't go because at the end of the day they are running a business or a scam or what they want or what they want to believe it is to lure people to go to Africa. There's a possibility it's a one-way ticket and no return. If you do meet someone who is truly in love with you, money doesn't buy it. Unquote. Now, just literally putting in, Romance scam. I got so many articles about people who have been duped big time. You can either be murdered like Yetta was or a lot of women get duped in Asia or South America by romance scammers and love scammers they've never even met, but they've met them on the internet into carrying drugs. And then they end up in like a third world prison. Some are abducted to have money extracted from their families, um, and many are killed like Yetta. So I thought I'd give you a few examples of people who have, you know, basically fallen for a love scam and then ended up in prison. So Maria Exposito, she was a 57-year-old Sydney grandmother. I remember this in the news quite a bit when it was going on. She was sentenced to death by a Malaysian court in 2018, the same country that... I covered Barlow and Chambers who were sentenced to death the Australians there. Now Maria had trafficked one kilogram of crystal meth um, for a guy that she had not met. She was the victim of a love scam. Now this case is really interesting because the first court that heard her case in Malaysia actually was the first court ever in Malaysia to actually buy that the love scam means that you may not be guilty. They actually believed her story which is true Um, And they found her not guilty because she'd been acting, she'd been vulnerable and acting on someone else's kind of words and sucked in. Now, unfortunately, on appeal, this was overturned and she was given the death sentence in 2018. John Warwick, which is, he was another Australian, he was 64. He died in a Chinese police hospital in 2015. He was put on trial but was awaiting trial for charges related to carrying 1.9 kilograms of methamphetamine for... A love scam. Sharon Armstrong, she was from New Zealand. She spent two and a half years in a prison in Argentina after being arrested at Buenos Aires airport in 2011 with five kilograms of cocaine, which she was carrying for a love scammer. Paul Frampton, he was a British professor. You'd think he would know better. He was arrested again at Buenos Aires airport in 2012 carrying two kilograms of cocaine. He was also scammed by a love scammer who had asked him to do this. He was sentenced to four years and eight months in prison, which means he would be out now. So The Conversation, which is a really good online publication, they had a really good piece about coercive control, um, which is a topic that they talk about a lot on Real Crime Profile, another podcast, how coercive control and that kind of abuse involved in love scams should be taken seriously and these people shouldn't be seen as foolish for what they've done because the grip that they have on these people you know is really intense people like yetta the scammers are really highly skilled they know what to say and they are good at what they do yeah so I'm gonna read you some warning some tips on what to do um their warning signs basically I found a list and I'm going to read it to you verbatim which can help you avoid fraud when looking for love online and I thought I would read this to you because it's coming up on Valentine's Day and these love scammers may be out in full force. I have a friend who just she just matched with a guy who's literally just got profile pictures of possums and she's like oh I imagine he's really hot. (laughs) So quote Be wary of people who ask for money. Do not send money to someone you have never met in person, even if you have spoken to them or received gifts. Do not give anyone your bank account details for any reason. Be alert when communicating outside of the dating site's internal message system, such as by text or email. It is a common practice of scammers to move the conversation offline to a more private channel been there. Look out for strange word choices and elaborate sentences. Scammers rarely answer your questions directly and often paste entire paragraphs from other websites. Be alert for over-the-top expressions of love and attempts to progress the relationship very quickly. Scammers tend to profess their true love for you within a matter of days or weeks and a proposal of marriage may quickly follow. Listen to warnings from your friends and family. Be wary if online dating profiles do not match someone's description of themselves or look like they are taken from a magazine. Many scammers use photos of other people or select a photo from Google Images. You can find out if the photo is genuine by conducting a Google reverse image search. Scammers will rarely meet you in person, but will always seemingly have a practical or reasonable excuse why they cannot do so. Um... And just on the Google reverse image search, if you don't know how to do that, um, I use the one that's on labnoll.com. Literally just Google reverse image search and then you upload the picture. It's what they do on Catfish, um Niamh and Max, you know, and then you can get a match for what it's from. Um, I see on Tinder and different dating sites a lot, um, men, I always report them because I think it's creepy. Men who use kind of men who are a little bit famous but not use their their pictures so that women will be sucked in and you just wonder how many of them are creeps behind it i always notice that they use kind of men who aren't a list so they're not recognizable for every by everyone but so people like simon baker if you know that and things like that and i always like report them so if you are online on things like that you can just report it um and say it literally just says fraud scam this is not the person in the picture just do your bit for women and men out there cuz from watching catfish we all know that women just as much as men do this so if you are the victim of a scam or you believe that a family member is report it to your local police you don't want to be sorry because clearly yet as family and friends had reported this but the letter got there too little, too late. I find it crazy that a letter was sent. I believe that the police should go around to your house. Um, they. I know that they're understaffed, but they're clearly everywhere, you know, finding people for not wearing masks. So they have the time to go and, you know, knock on a door and tell someone face to face. I think it would hit better. Um, yeah, so if you are concerned about a family or friend, being scammed um do this don't just do it if you believe that you are being scammed now i have six patreon episodes coming up over the next two to three months um i think it's seven now that is come on board now when you become a patron you get to choose a location for an upcoming episode and it's funny because a couple of you guys when someone becomes a patron and then the next person does, I always find that they choose the same place and there's like 200 countries in the world. So isn't that crazy? So I have six coming up, but you have to wait for your first month to tick over before I start to do it. I do it when I'm able to, because, um, I also like to add my own choices in between. So the next one coming up is Laurie and I believe he's from the UK. I'll look it up. Um, but he requested a place that I have a ton of cases for. They're never ending. So you made my job, easier laurie so go to the website at unknownpassagepodcast.com, become a patron at links off the website or you can just search on the patreon app there is a one two five dollar a month tier dollars euros pounds on there um that would be awesome so yeah um that should come out probably won't be a week probably be sooner um yeah i might give you two this week for those of you that are lonely like me on valentine's day so i'll talk to you then bye